Good morning, guys. Welcome back. This is Kyle Banks. It is February 12th. It is Friday, and we are ready for another section in this podcast. We are going to talk about football today, specifically one of the most notorious football lawsuits that we have ever seen, the USFL versus NFL. Here we go. So first, we're going to have five sections to this today. We're going to talk about basically the basics of the case first. The plaintiff, the United States Football League, the defendant, the NFL, its commissioner, and its um, representatives for each team. The court that decided this case was the United States District Court of New York. So all of this took place in New York, where headquarters for both the USFL and National Football League were. Moving on into the next section, we have the facts of the case. So the USFL versus NFL lawsuit was brought to light because the NFL had um, established a monopoly when it came to television rights um, and stadium venues and players. So the case was first heard, um, when the case was first heard, the USFL claimed that the NFL had basically bullied um, the three major broadcast television networks, ABC, CBS, and NBC, into not televising USFL games in the fall. So directly competing with the NFL, you had the USFL playing in the same season, trying to use the same television networks, trying to compete um, as a league, um, you know, that claimed they had better players and all this stuff. So what you tend to see is, you know, a very expensive case when you have two American football leagues um, hoping to win the lawsuit. It was an antitrust lawsuit. And um, the USFL proposed two remedies, either force the NFL to negotiate with television contracts with only two networks or force the NFL to split into two competing 14 team leagues, each limited to a contract with one major network. So in hopes of this lawsuit, the USFL had hoped that they would specifically gain the rights to one of these three national broadcasting television networks. So moving on, we see that uh, you know there were three smoking guns when it came to this lawsuit, two of which were memos, um, one going to the NFL broadcasting director um, from an attorney stating that an open network might be the might be open to the invitation to formation of a new league. A memo from um, NFL Management Council um, that laid out plans for NFL teams to increase salary offers to USFL existing players in hopes to run the risk of losing those players for those teams. So if you think about it, if you have an organization that's competing, whether it's in business, in sports, um, or anything else, and someone has more money and they are conspiring to take your players, to take your broadcasting rights, and everything else, it's hard to keep business afloat. Um, And and all of this basically had to do with one 
um, presentation. Um, so Harvard had a professor named Michael Porter, um, and he basically created this plan helping the NFL um, <clears throat> in an attempt to basically kill the USFL, so to speak. Um, the plan on how to conquer the United States Football League is a more appropriate term. And that's basically what it was. It was a presentation to the higher ups in the NFL that basically showed them and paved the way for them to conquer the USFL and disband their league. So moving on, we have our next section, which is the cause of action. We briefly touched on this, um, talking about the three um, television networks, ABC, NBC, and CBS, and how the NFL had used them to basically stop the USFL from obtaining contracts with them to expose people to um, another football league. Um, so basically, what we see here is that the NFL is doing whatever they can to stay at the top, uh, you know, whether they feel threatened by the USFL or not. Um, they're using their resources, um, their money to try and keep themselves above everyone else. So <clears throat> moving on to, you know, the court's disposition of the case, there are a few things that we find or that the jury finds um, and declares, um, and that helps declares um, rewards um, to the USFL and a final verdict. So the jury declared the NFL an illegal monopoly, found that the NFL had willfully acquired and maintained monopoly status in professional football through predatory tactics. So after reading that, you would say, okay, the USFL, they won their case. You know, I don't know anything about the USFL. It's 2021. The USFL has been disbanded for over 30 years. How could they have not won this case after reading that? So there were a few things that the jury rejected. They found that the USFL had changed its strategy. Um, basically, they wanted to um, force... they. They wanted to force a merger with the NFL rather than sticking to their plan and um, making the NFL basically choose two of the three television networks or one of the three moving to two separate leagues. So what happened is the jury found that the NFL did not attempt to force the USFL off television. Um, ESPN remained willing to carry the USFL games into the fall when they wanted to move their season. Also to note that Fox, um, a very prominent uh, broadcasting channel nowadays, um, was up and coming um, as the fourth major broadcasting network. So the jury felt that while the USFL was harmed by the NFL and the pro football in the United States, most of the problems were due to its own mismanagement, meaning that they shot themselves in the foot. Um, so the jury awarded the USFL nominal damages of $1. Under the antitrust lawsuit, it was tripled to $3. So as you can see, a very expensive multi-million dollar lawsuit case 
had awarded damages of just $1. So that right there can tell you that these guys were going out of business. So moving on, USFL had essentially staked its future in the outcome of the suit, banking on substantial settlement to finance the move into the fall. However, that move never ended up happening because after this lawsuit, the USFL suspended all activity and in turn, a year later, disbanded their whole league. On August 4th, four days after the announcement of the verdict, USFLs voted to suspend operations in the 1986 season with the intent of returning the next year. However, what we see is the 1987 players strike and a lot of what happened is players, instead of staying with the USFL in hopes of it gaining more potential and growing into a bigger league to actually compete with the NFL, started signing with NFL teams instead. So everything that the USFL had hoped for, money, recognition, TV, um, TV rights, all of those things had basically gone out the window. So it's difficult to compete against the NFL, especially after they've been in business for over 65 years with the inauguration back in 1920. It's unlikely that the USFL would have been able to put together a viable product in any case, meaning even if their seasons would have continued, would they actually have been better than the NFL? Would they actually have been able to compete with the NFL? I guess we'll never know because many of their players signed contracts with NFL teams. And given that the USFL was over $100 million in debt, unfortunately, it was inevitable for them to disband their league. So the last section that we're going to talk about today are the ramifications. Um, at the time, the USFL had pro football teams in markets where the NFL did not. Um, a few of which are still there today. The Houston Oilers, which are now the Houston Texans. Jacksonville Jaguars, who are still the Jacksonville Jaguars. And the Tennessee Titans. After playing in Memphis, where they were um, with the USFL, they moved to Nashville the state's capital, and became the Tennessee Titans. So the USFL had significant impact on the NFL, both on and off the field. Almost all of the USFL's on-field innovations were eventually adopted by the older league. And many of the players from the USFL would go on to be Hall of Fame players in the NFL. So a lot of what we see in the NFL is due to the failures of the USFL. Well, not technically not all the failures, but a lot of things that the USFL did, the NFL wasn't doing at the time. But because of the USFL, the NFL is now today what we know of. So outside the NFL, um, 
basically what we see off the field is the strategies used by the USFL moving into different markets where the NFL previously weren't. They helped the NFL grow. They helped add. At the time, the NFL had 28 teams. Now they have 32. So in the past 40 years, we had additional teams um, in the NFL. We had, um, what else did we have? The addition of a few teams, addition of players, um, new innovations to management, to um, stadium venues, amongst other things. So because of this lawsuit, even though the mismanagement of the USFL caused its downfall, created a stronger, dominant pro football league, which, by the way, is still monopolizing the market today. So some things change, but some things never do. Again, it's tough to compete with the NFL, much like it's tough to compete with the NBA, the MLB, and the NHL. There's a reason that these dominant sports leagues really don't have much competition because the players follow the money. Where the money is, is where the money goes. Thanks again for listening. This is Kyle Banks. Had a great time. We'll see you guys next time. Enjoy the rest of your day. Have a great weekend. Thank you guys.